This morning our scripture comes from the book of Luke in chapter 24, verses 45 through 47. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Over the past few weeks, there have been countless graduation speeches given. And maybe you have even been privileged enough to hear some of those graduation speeches. Maybe even give a graduation speech, I don't know. Valedictorians, reminiscing, commencement speakers, challenging. Everyone looking at graduates, whether it's high school or college or some other institution, and giving them a glimpse of life in the real world, life after school and how to prepare for that and what to expect and and what they should embrace and challenges before them and opportunities and and all of that and and we expect that don't we when we go to graduation we hope the graduation speaker speaks very short amount of time but we have an expectation that the speaker will challenge the graduates that he or she will say something very important very noteworthy very memorable. That's sort of the nature of parting words, isn't it? And so whether it's a a speech to graduates or it is a heartfelt goodbye, maybe from parents to their kids leaving home, or maybe it's a farewell to a loved one who is going off into the military or going off on work for a long time, or maybe it's even the final words spoken to or by someone who is passing from this life. We expect those words to mean something. We expect them to be meaningful and memorable. And so if you were Jesus, what would some of your final words be? What would your parting words be? What would your speech to those who were staying behind and yet entering into the real world without you, what would you say? Well, thankfully, we have inspired writers of the Gospels who tell us the story of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his words. And so we know some of the things that Jesus said. We know some of the things that he said before he left this earth to ascend to heaven, to sit at the right hand of God. One of the writers of the Gospels, Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, tells us that the very end of his gospel, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son And of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. You see, the final words of Jesus recorded in the Gospel according to Matthew are words such as this Go, make disciples, baptize, teach, action words, 
a commission, a calling, but also assurance. I will be with you always to the very end. Words of exhortation, words of encouragement. You see, some of Jesus' final words come in the form of a commission. Jesus invites, he calls, he commissions his disciples to be a part of something bigger than themselves, to be a part of something more than just managing their own lives, more than just getting through the day, more than just marking things off a to-do list day in, day out, more than just getting through the day, the week, the month. He calls them, he calls us to take Jesus to the world. That's Jesus' final words. That's his commission. Go and make disciples. You've probably heard before, if you've been around church or the Bible very long, you've probably heard this word go in the Great Commission really is better translated according to the tense that is used as as you go. And so the idea is, as you go to work, as you go throughout your daily life, as you live life, keep in mind that you have a purpose, a higher calling to make disciples. You see, making disciples isn't just a program of the church. It's not just a theme or something we put on a banner. And it's not just three special days throughout the year. It is who we are. It's not just what we do. It's who we are. One writer said that God's church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. And that church fulfills that mission. It is so paramount. It is so important. It is so central to not only what we do, but who we are. It's interesting, Luke also records some of Jesus' final words before he goes to be by his father's side. And you'll notice at the end of the gospel according to Luke, Jesus' words sound very similar to those recorded by Matthew. Luke chapter 24, verse 46. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus here gives us and he gives them a glance back. He says, the law of Moses, the prophets, the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, all those scriptures bear witness to the coming Christ who will not only live on this earth, but will die for the sins of humankind. But he won't stay in the grave. He will be raised from the dead. He says, those scriptures that you hold so tightly to, that you revere, they bear witness to me, Jesus says. But he also has a look forward, a glimpse into the future. He says that message, this gospel, that even the Old Testament bears witness to, although sometimes we have trouble seeing Jesus in the Old Testament, he says that gospel will be proclaimed, will be preached to all nations. You say, well, is Jesus being prophetic here? Is he, is he saying this is what's going to happen? And to those disciples, he's saying, we just want you to be in the know, kind of a peek behind the curtain. 
this is what's going to happen. Well, we know because we have the privilege and opportunity to now look back and see the comprehensive view as it unfolds. We know that these words of Jesus aren't just predictive, they are prescriptive. In other words, Jesus is not just telling his disciples what's going to happen. He is commissioning them to make it happen. They are going to be his witnesses. They are going to proclaim this gospel to all nations. They are going to make disciples. And it's so important here that we don't lose sight of where Jesus calls them to go. And in essence, is calling us to go. He says all nations. In fact, in Matthew's gospel and in the gospel according to Luke, that phrase, all nations, is used by Jesus. In his final words in this great commission, to any Jewish audience, they think one thing when they hear all nations. They think the Gentile world. Because there's Israel and then there's all the other nations. And Jesus says, you proclaim the gospel not just to Israel, but to all nations. And so Jesus is challenging the status quo of what it means to find salvation in Christ, not the law of Moses. But not only that, he is turning on its head the idea of who will find salvation, who will be included in the kingdom of God. Not just Israel, but all nations, Gentiles. And let's face it, for many Jews, the Gentiles, well, they were the outsiders. They were the have-nots. In fact, they were unclean. I think there's a lesson there for us. Jesus calls us to look outside ourselves, to look beyond the borders of our own lives, our own preferences, our own personalities, to extend our vision beyond our comfort zones, our own towns, our own tribes. Making disciples should include, yet extend beyond the borders of this community, beyond the borders of even this state, of this nation, to include people who live in places different than Edmond, Oklahoma, who speak languages different than we speak, who face opportunities and obstacles much different than the ones that we face. You see, the Great Commission is a global mission. And we must begin to look beyond not only our own lives, but our own context, our own situation, our own way of thinking. If the gospel is going to go to all the nations, God will use us as a part of making that happen. And so we must open our eyes. You think, well, it's a global mission. That sounds overwhelming. You're talking about changing the world. You're talking about going to all nations. I'm just one person, we're just one congregation. How can we do anything that even makes any kind of impact? You ever feel that way? Especially when you try to get your mind around the fact that this is a global mission that we've been called to. I can't tell you how many times I have been on a mission trip or on the mission field or in a foreign country trying to interact with someone, trying to minister to them, trying to share the gospel with them, and they are speaking to me in a different language, Spanish, or Mandarin, German. 
And I'm just standing there with this look on my face like I have no idea what you're saying to me. I wish I did. I wish I could converse with you. I wish I could say something back. You know, I'll get out Google Translate and see what we can do, but it's overwhelming, right? I mean, I'm doing good just to get through with a little bit of English, much less another language. And that's how we feel sometimes, don't we? This is, a, this is so much bigger than us. How are we supposed to take the gospel to all nations? Some of us don't even speak any other language than our own language. What do I have to offer? What kind of watered-down, weak witness can I provide for Christ? We so often allow insecurity and doubt and fear to silence our witness for Christ. It's so unfortunate. My guess is Satan is probably behind that. You need to look back at this text in Luke 24. You need to see what the disciples were doing before Jesus commissioned them. Back in Luke 24, verse 36, while they were still talking about this, what are they talking about? They're talking about what they've heard, that Jesus has been resurrected. They saw him die. They know he died. They know he was buried. But now people have evidently seen him. Is this true? Could this be true? So they're talking about this. And Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Verse 37, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you can see I have. His disciples are confused. They are riddled with doubt. They're afraid. They can't get their minds around what is happening. And Jesus knows. He knows what they are thinking. He knows what they need. He knows that they not only need assurance to get through this moment, but they need assurance, they need strength, they need him to fulfill the mission that he has called them to fulfill. And so look what he says, verse 49. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Power is not the word that you think about when you think about these disciples. Fear, anxiety, doubt, insecurity, running for their lives. Those are the kinds of words that we think about, right? And Jesus says, just wait. You will be clothed with power from on high. Do you remember in the Great Commission of Matthew 28, he says, I will be with you to the very end of the age. And here he says, I will be with you. That's what he's saying. The promise of the Holy Spirit, the very presence and power of the Lord with them, working in them and through them. And what do we observe from these once fearful, doubtful disciples? This transformation, this boldness that they develop in proclaiming the gospel. They are willing to bear witness to Christ even if it costs them their own lives. Why could they do that? How could they do that? Because it was real. And they knew it. They had seen it. They had heard it. They had experienced it. And now all they were doing was telling other people what they saw 
and heard and experienced. They were bearing witness to Christ. God calls us to make disciples, just as he called them to do the same thing. And I believe that he also equips us for that calling and empowers us with the Holy Spirit. I think he says the same thing to us. I am with you. I will clothe you with power. The Holy Spirit will work in and through you. And so the question we need to ask is, is Jesus real to me? Have I seen him? Have I heard him? Have I experienced him? And if so, then I am compelled to bear witness to what I have seen and heard. That's our calling. That's our identity. That's our purpose. As we go, we have people going all the time from this church, don't we? Just this morning, we prayed for two different groups who are going this week into the world. We have groups going throughout the year, hundreds of people. We also support a dozen missionaries who work year-round to make disciples, to spread the gospel. I want to tell you just briefly about one of those groups. We support five missionaries throughout Nicaragua, multiple teams of missionaries, multiple congregations. God is doing great things in that country. But you may or may not know, because there's not a lot of news coming out of that country, but things are not going well there right now. There is so much political and social unrest right now. There are people marching and protesting against the president. There are protesters getting murdered. There are roads being barricaded. There's a gas shortage. There's supply shortage. There's work shortage. Things are really difficult. Well, you know, we send groups down there all the time. At least twice a year, we send groups to Nicaragua. In fact, in just 10 days, we had a group scheduled to go. My family was planning to be a part of this mission trip to Nicaragua, along with 35 or 40 other people. Things are so bad down there. They're so unsafe that we can't go. We don't get to go. And yet our missionaries remain there, trying to turn these obstacles into opportunities to show the light of Christ. They are literally helping people who are shot and injured in the streets. They are trying to find ways to feed the congregation, not just spiritually, but literally feed the congregation. The need is great, and although our group doesn't get to go, many of those projects that we have planned will still continue, and so they need our support. I wanted you to hear firsthand from one of our missionaries there to let you know some of the things that that are going on and some of the challenges in front of our teams there. Really so you will know what to pray about so that you can lift them up in prayer. And so one of our missionaries, Josue, he and his team have made a video and he's going to tell us very briefly some of the things going on there and some of the things that we can pray about. He's obviously speaking in Spanish Thankfully, for me and others, there's subtitles in English, (laughs) so we can read that. But I want you to watch this video by Josue and see some of the things that are happening right now, even today in Nicaragua. Let's show that. Hola, estimados hermanos en Cristo. Dios les bendiga. Mi nombre es Josue David Alcerro Caballero, miembro del tercer equipo misionero en Nicaragua. 
reciban un saludo fraterno de parte de la congregación en Matagalpa y al mismo tiempo del equipo misionero. Queremos compartir la realidad que se vive en nuestro país. Desde el 18 de abril hasta el día de hoy, 31 de mayo, los enfrentamientos no se han detenido entre la policía y los ciudadanos a causa de las injusticias que ha provocado el mal gobierno de la pareja presidencial, dejando como resultado más de 85 muertos, más de mil heridos, jóvenes que están desaparecidos, tranques en las diferentes carreteras principales de comercio en el país por parte de los ciudadanos que están en contra del gobierno. Muchos establecimientos e instituciones han sido saqueadas y al mismo tiempo quemadas. Manifestaciones masivas donde la policía ha atacado de manera cruel y despiadada a los manifestantes para impedir la libertad de expresión. Esto ha afectado a algunos hermanos para asistir a los servicios de la iglesia, centros de trabajo, centros de estudios, ya que tienen temor a ser agredidos o asesinados. Pedimos sus oraciones para que la paz, la justicia y la democracia puedan ser una realidad en nuestro amado país, Nicaragua. Agradecemos su interés y oraciones por nuestro país. Nos duele mucho saber que el equipo misionero de Edmund no podrá estar con nosotros este año. Y queremos que sepan que los vamos a extrañar mucho. Confiamos en Dios que vienen tiempos mejores para nuestra nación. Gracias por esta oportunidad. Dios les bendiga. Bendiciones. tragic news coming out of that country and yet we are in a position to be supportive to be prayerful to be helpful to partner with those missionaries and what God is doing in that country and turn this terrible situation these incredible obstacles into amazing opportunities for the gospel to make inroads into people's lives and hearts to change not just individuals families communities but possibly a whole nation. They need our prayers. Why don't we pause in this moment and pray for them right now? Dear God, we come to you very humbly asking for you to bring blessings and peace and strength to the church, to our missionaries, to your missionaries in Nicaragua. Father, there is so much unrest there. There is so much violence and confusion and anger father we uh, so much of that we don't know what to think but we know that that Christ is king and that whoever is in charge of that nation that ultimately Christ has the most authority and so we pray for his reign to be evident to be made known in that country father be with our missionaries there protect them and their families and the church there Father, let them speak with boldness. Let them be guided by your spirit. Let them find ways to minister to the people around them, their neighbors, the people in their own country, in their own city, in their own towns. And Father, help us to find ways to be a part of that. Father, help us to step up and to be supportive. Help us to see outside of ourselves. Help us to embrace the mission that you have given us. 
Father, at this same time, we also pray for all of our missionaries spread all over this globe, ministering to the nations. Father, protect them, bless them, use them, empower them with your Holy Spirit. Father, even today, make them know in their heart of hearts that they're not alone, that we are with them, most of all, that you are with them. Thank you for these opportunities. Please continue to bless us so we can bless the world. In Jesus' name, amen. This time we do have an opportunity to partner with those that are spreading the gospel as we as a church family, a family of faith, get to be a part of that. Gentlemen, if you'd go ahead and get ready to take up our collection in just a few moments. Many of us get to go on those mission trips, and many of you have gone in the past, but not all of us can go on every trip, nor that can we continue to go sometimes because of life circumstances, but we can all participate. We've already prayed, and this is going to be our, our opportunity to join with our children who have already given to, for Commission Sunday. Three times a year, we uh, take up a collection, and the, this, that, uh, all that's given goes towards our mission efforts and to help fund those, our missionaries that are literally in all those countries, and our mission trips as well. It's a way that we can participate and, we can, and focus on that. We can't all go, but we can all participate. You know, what I give can't send that many, but when we all give together and give sacrificially, it all comes together, and we can do so much more. God working through us can do so much more than we can ask or imagine. So let's pray and ask God to, to bless this giving. Our Father in heaven, we do recognize you as the one who made us and the one who gives us purpose. Thank you so much for the one that brought the good news of Jesus into our lives, our parents, our friends, teachers, others. We're so glad that we get to be your family, your children, and that your blood has washed us clean and that we can be forever family in heaven someday. And Father, we want to be a part of sharing that good news to, to others as well in our community, and also in this world. And so we come together this day, reminding each other that all that we have is yours, and that we might be good, good, good stewards of that, that not just give from the uh, abundant overflow, but to give sacrificially so that we can make a difference in this world like someone has made a difference in our world. Father, we ask that you bless this giving, whether it be in Montreal or Germany or Ireland or Nicaragua or Mexico or Africa or even here in the United States, that you will take this sacrifice that's given to you to remind ourselves that all that we have is yours. But then you take that and use it in a way that we can see your good work happening in this world. So bless this giving. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. explain how do you describe a love that goes from east to west and runs as deep as it is wide you know all our hopes Lord you know all our fears and words cannot express the love we feel, but we long for you to hear. So listen to our hearts, hear our spirits sing, a song of praise that flows from those you have redeemed. 
We will use the words we know to tell you what an awesome God you are. But words are not enough to tell you of our love, so listen to our hearts. If words could fall like rain from these lips of mine, and if I had a thousand years, Lord, I would still run out of time. If you listen to my heart, every beat will say, Thank you for the life, thank you for the truth, and thank you for the way. So listen to our hearts, hear our spirits sing a song of praise that flows from those you have redeemed we will use the words we know to tell you what an awesome God you are but words are not enough to tell you of our love, so listen to our hearts. You know, right now, and across the country and across the world, people are, are gathering to worship the same God we worship. And together our voices of praise go up to Him. And we work very hard, especially on this day, to remind ourselves that we want to reach the world. But a part of that world is right here. And we're about to sing a song of invitation because we want to reach out to you today. If you need to respond to the gospel, this is your day. God is not far from any of us, from here in the United States or from Montreal, Canada, or in Africa, wherever it might be. But at this time, in this place... God's calling to each of you. And if you've never given your life to Christ and had your sins washed away in the waters of baptism, this is your time. Paul was speaking to a group of people in, in Greece many, many years ago. And he was trying to convince them that the message was for them. And he said in Acts 17, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of our own poets have said, we are his offspring. God is right there for you. And if you need to respond to this invitation, we invite you to do so. Won't you come as we stand together and sing?